Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Eye on the Ball. We are back for another episode. It's a wonderful Tuesday here. And if you can't tell already, I'm a little quieter today, a little, um, a little more not laid back or anything like that, but just quieter. Uh, that's just because I'm recording this on Monday night. So trying to be a little quieter here <laughs> at the time of recording, but we have plenty to talk about this, this morning, you guys, plenty to get into, uh, this morning for you guys again, nighttime for me. So let's jump into it though, because there is a lot going on. I don't want to waste any time. So first off, Manny Machado is staying in San Diego. If you tuned into last week's episode of Eye on the Ball, I talked about how Manny Machado was looking to opt out of his contract that he had with the Padres uh, to get a bigger payday and just to try and get what he felt he deserved in the long run. And it looked like he would play this season in San Diego and then his future would be up in the air. But San Diego they moved quickly. They moved pretty much right after that clip that I showed last week, and they got a deal done to keep Machado in San Diego for the rest of his career. They locked him down to a reported 11-year contract worth $350 million. This will go through 2033, so the contract actually starts in 2023. That's why it's up in 2033 and 2034. So yeah, Machado is going to spend the rest of his years, the rest of his career, uh, rather, with the Padres. So they acted so fast, y'all. The Padres, they are no joke. I, I don't know what they did. I don't know if they hit the the uh, the cheat button to get infinite money here because if you looked at some of the money they were throwing around to the free agents in the offseason, you know, obviously they offered $400 million to Aaron Judge. They offered, I believe, around $350, $380 million for uh, Trey Turner. But they have been offering so much money to these players. They just gave Bogarts uh, $282 million, if the numbers are ringing at the top of my head correctly here. Uh, but either way, they've been giving huge payouts and, and you know what? Good for them. If they have the money to do it, pay the players. If you have the money to do it and you are looking to be you know become a powerhouse team and challenge in that National League West division, then go for it. Sign players. Give them that payday. And for someone like Machado, it is absolutely deserved. He went out and got what he deserved. And the Padres, they did not want to lose him. He's become such a leader for that team, especially a team that is filled with a few young players, a few young and up-and-coming stars. He kind of took Tatis under his wing, and he's taken other players under his wing, and that'll just continue as he moves forward in his Padres career, which is kind of crazy to think about when you know you remember Machado's old years when people kind of disliked the guy or even went as far as to hate the guy for some of his antics and uh, his attitude on and off the field. But now he's a real leader. He's really stepped up and he's become such a key part of that Padres team. And this team is looking more and more dangerous by the day. Obviously Tatis will be coming back 
towards the beginning of the regular season. They locked down Bogarts. They locked down Machado. You can't forget about Jake Cronenworth and players like that. Like this team, Juan Soto. I almost forgot about Juan Soto just now. Shame on me. Uh, (laughs) But this team is becoming an absolute powerhouse in front of our eyes and seemingly out of nowhere. And I'll be very curious to see if they pay Juan Soto. That'll be a real question to look out for as the season goes on and as we move into the offseason at the end of 2023. That'll be a huge question in that time, but we'll just have to see what happens. So this contract also worth mentioning. There are no opt-outs. There's a full no trade clause. And so basically Machado's years in San Diego are protected and mind you this deal has not quite been confirmed just yet by the team but we are expecting that any day now and spring training is getting crazy you guys just absolutely insane it's heating up already games just started this past friday but it's already been eventful especially with these new rules going into place obviously um the big one is the pitch clock and obviously there has still been talk about the bigger bases and the no shift like those are going to get talked about no doubt about it but the pitch clock has been the biggest rule change that that's received the most attention here at the beginning of spring training and we've already had our first pitching violations uh the pitching clock violations manny machado had an automatic strike called on him for not being in the box and if you if you guys don't know the ins and outs of this rule essentially the pitcher now has just 20 seconds to release the ball after he gets it back from the catcher and the batter on the other hand has to be in the box by the time the pitch clock hits eight seconds or else they get an automatic strike and they only have one opportunity to call timeout during the at bat um, so they are pretty limited in every it's meant to just make everything run faster more efficiently make games you know go faster uh, and so far, it looks like it, it's sort of working. Uh, spring training games have been clocked in at 23 minutes faster because of this rule change. Whether that remains the case, we'll have to see. And is 23 minutes really a big enough change to make this worth it? We're going to have to find out and see how it all plays out. But it's already crazy. Uh, and it's already caused a bit of drama. In the Red Sox-Braves game on Saturday afternoon, the game was tied in the bottom of the ninth. The Braves had been down by a few runs heading into the ninth. They brought it back, especially on three straight walks, which helped to tie the game up at six. And Cal Conley, a young Braves you know, spring training call-up, was up at the plate and worked the count to three and two it was that dramatic moment you know bases loaded two outs three two count bottom of the ninth the the entire drama of course it was only spring training but still it's one of those things that almost every baseball player and baseball fan dreams of and (laughs) 
got an automatic strike called on him end of game because obviously they don't do extra innings in spring training games so this game ended as a tie six to six because of the automatic strike and that's a heartbreaker i don't care if it is spring training you can't imagine being in that situation getting to a three two count and then not even having the opportunity to take a hack at it on that last pitch it's just automatically called on you because you weren't able to step into the box in time that is painful and i imagine we're already you know we're going to continue to see things like this as spring training goes on and even into the regular season it's going to be an adjustment and that's one of the main words that's been used by players and coaching staff alike as we've gotten into the games is adjustment it's all going to be an adjustment for everybody involved and i fear we're going to see a lot of automatic strikes we're going to see a lot of mistakes and it's going to be very interesting. A lot of pitchers seem to be enjoying the pitch clock. It seems to give them more power. That is a statement coming from Max Scherzer, who is absolutely loving the pitch clock. He feels like it gives pitchers, you know, just more power in their court, more ability to just contest the hitters, challenge the hitters, catch them off balance. And so this is, for pitchers, it seems to be a really good step in the right direction. We're going to have to see how it all plays out, though. And then, of course, again, there's the larger bases, which it, it's still undetermined whether that'll have a real impact. Of course, when it comes to the running game, uh, players in spring training don't really run nearly as much or the way they would in regular season games. Um, but overall, it's something we're going to have to wait on. The shift not being present, you know, that's not really determined how much that's helping players yet it's just too early to tell but the pitch clock we're definitely seeing drama there already sticking on baseball for a couple more minutes here just to give some updates the astros were dealt a pretty big blow the other day on monday just on monday with lance mccullers jr being ruled out until after opening day with a slight muscle strain in his pitching arm. Uh, he says he, he shouldn't be out nearly as long as he was last season. Of course, he was out most of last season with an injury. And he says there's no structural damage. However, opening day is out of the question. And unfortunately for McCullers, this is just kind of the norm at this point. He's been injured so often over the past number of years. He had Tommy John surgery in 2019, which kept him out that entire year. In 2021, he missed the postseason. In 2022, he didn't start until August 13th, where he did manage to pitch the rest of the season, but now he's out again. Of course, again, he hopes to pitch the majority of 2023 in the majority of this season, but he's going to miss open opening day once again, which is a blow for the Astros because McCullers is one of their better pitchers. Uh, when he has been on the mound, when he has been healthy, he's pitched very, very well for the team. And so this definitely is a blow. Is it going to really sink the Astros? No, no. They are too star studded of a team to be drowned by something like this to be drowned by one of their pitchers going down. They have plenty of other pitchers to fill that role until he gets back and they're going to be just fine. One team that might be a little concerned though is the Los Angeles Dodgers 
who suffered quite possibly a major blow in the shortstop position with Gavin Lux going down on Monday with a right knee injury. He was going around second headed for third when he took a couple steps and then his right knee seemed to give out on him. He had to be carted off the field. There still isn't any word as to uh, what exactly happened or the extent of the injury, but it is going to be a worry for the Dodgers if it is serious because, again, he was supposed to be their starting shortstop for the 2023 season, and now they're going to have to figure out how to fill that role. And if they have someone to fill that role, um, say like a Chris Taylor or someone along those lines, who's going to fill any other vacant position that that creates. So we're going to have to see what that means for the Dodgers moving forward and throughout spring training. I'm sure they'll find someone to fill that position, but it's going to be a question as to who and as who it could be. I'm still not entirely sure yet. Uh, Dodgers definitely aren't a team that I follow player by player and you know follow the prospects and everything for. Uh, they have a few positions open a little bit here at the start of the season and headed into the regular season. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Dodgers shape up in 2023. But continuing with injuries, Tyler Glass now has suffered an injury once again. Yes, the Rays pitcher suffered a oblique the race pitcher suffered an oblique injury on Monday during a bullpen session. He threw six pitches before coming off the mound with the injury, and he will have an MRI today on the day of release of this episode uh, to determine just how bad the injury is and how long he will be out. Glass now, one of these pitchers, again, who's been very, very prevalent to injury. He's been very injury prone over these past couple of seasons and the Rays could really use him even if it's just for him to pitch a good first half and get traded at the deadline uh, you know like the Rays do with some of their best players even if they were to just have him to pitch you know very well for half of a season and then trade him to get some major pieces back glass now definitely needs it after being out so much over these past couple of seasons so you hope for his sake that he is not out for very long and honestly for baseball's sake because he's one of these pitchers that's so talented you guys so talented uh i may not be a huge Rays fan mind you you know of course not i'm a yankees fan We're, we'll put that out there right now but i do love seeing glass now pitch he's always fun to watch he's so talented he's so dangerous and you know i more just love him when he doesn't face the yankees that, you know, that's my thing uh, be good against anyone else or pitch against anyone else just not not my team all right Moving away from injuries, though, one more story here when it comes to baseball. Alejandro Kirk, the catcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, did withdraw from the World Baseball Classic. He had originally planned to catch for Team Mexico. However, he was awaiting the birth of his child, and so he hadn't made it to Blue Jays camp or really started preparations uh, to play in the Classic. So he did withdraw, and once his baby is born, he will be headed straight for Toronto camp to be ready with them for opening day but he will not be taking part in the world baseball classic this time around again a shame because he is an extremely talented player and it's crazy because it just feels like he kind of came out of nowhere over these past couple of years i remember when he first came up he wasn't that great you know he had the power but he wasn't hitting very well but he's really turned himself into a massive part of that Blue Jays team. He was an all-star this past year, uh, very deservedly so. And 
hopefully he plays very well again you know he's again he's one of these players that's a lot of fun to watch i won't lie you know he might be a part of a division rival but he's a fun player to watch definitely great for the game of baseball and hopefully everything goes smoothly in blue jays camp so he's ready for opening day but let's move away from baseball and move into some nba stories here and the milwaukee bucks are being sold co-owner mark lasry is selling his stake of the team and the deal is being done with current cleveland browns owners jimmy and d haslam and the deal is worth 3.5 billion dollars according to reports at the time of recording the deal is still awaiting league approval so it's not completed yet it hasn't been finalized or anything like that but it is expected to go through at this time and if it does or when it does it will be the second highest value for an nba team in history and the only team that was sold for more was the phoenix suns who were sold for four billion dollars and that was just earlier this month so this is a very recent thing and before the purchase of the suns for that four billion the highest amount that had ever been paid for an nba team was the brooklyn nets back in 2017 when they were bought for 2.3 billion dollars so a huge huge jump right now and the acquisition of the bucks by the haslams is actually the third highest value for a u.s sports team not just in the nba or anything like that but a u.s sports team ever with the only other purchase being higher than the suns and the bucks acquisitions being the acquisition of the denver broncos at 4.65 billion dollars and lazary's portion is about 25 percent so that 3.5 billion dollar deal is actually just for a 25 percent stake in the team which in my mind is absolutely insane 3.5 billion dollars to have a quarter you know a quarter stake in in the team 25 percent that's crazy crazy high you know a crazy crazy high price but sticking in the NBA, Damian Lillard was drug tested after having a huge night for the Blazers. In a Blazers victory over the Rockets just this weekend, Damian Lillard was drug tested and this was following a career night for the 32-year-old. And he scored 71 points in this game, tied for the most for any one player this season. And he also had a career-high 13 threes in this game he was also 14 for 14 from the free throw line so he was having just an absolutely insane night and here's what he had to say about the drug test afterwards what was your reaction when you got drug tested i mean honestly i was like are y'all serious like i i did the urine test yesterday and then they backed it up with the um the blood draw tonight after the game that's actually my first time in my career being tested after a game and then aside from that, they know that I'm scared of needles. So I know I got a lot of tattoos, but when you're doing a blood draw, it's different than it's different than tattoos. But I was it, it brought me down from from here to the floor, all the way until it was done. And then once I finished it, I was like, all right, you know, I got that out the way. So I felt way better afterwards. So this is this is absolutely crazy. You know, it's like he said, just seriously. You have to get automatically drug tested, a blood drawn drug test just because he had a crazy good game. And that's 
kind of a sad reality of professional sports today, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, whether it's this or that is if you have an outrageous season or an outrageous game or an outrageous stretch where you're just playing so well, you are on the top of your game. It's very likely that you are going to be under suspicion of taking steroids or some kind of performance enhancing uh, drug or anything like that, you know, and, and part of the suspicion is fair because we have seen plenty of players caught using PEDs across different sports. Again, baseball, football, basketball, it doesn't matter. Plenty of players have been caught. So the suspicion in part is warranted. But at the same time, to automatically assume that just because he had a great game, that he is possibly on some performance-enhancing substance, it's just unfortunate, especially since, as you heard in that audio clip, he had just taken, he had just done the urine test the night before. So, you know, it definitely puts a little bit of a damper on the night. And I'm sure Lillard uh, wasn't enjoying that. Again, as you heard in the clip, a bit of a phobia for needles. Put him right to the floor. So that's definitely, it's crazy. It's crazy. I think it's awesome that he had this career game. Uh, even if I'm not, again, if even if I'm not the biggest follower of NBA, as I've said in the past couple episodes, this is still awesome. You love to see players just absolutely kill it. You just absolutely kill it on the court, on the field, on the whatever, when they're playing that well, it's fun to watch. But as for a player that's not been playing so well in recent years, Carson Wentz has been released by the Washington Commanders. His time with Washington is done. And this is after appearing in eight games during this past season. And his stats, just, they're not great. They're not great. 11 touchdowns, 9 interceptions, 1,755 passing yards, uh, around a 60% completion rate, 62% if I remember correctly, and the team was 2-5 and five in the games that he started, and it's just almost sad to see. It's almost sad to see the decline of Carson Wentz ever since his days with the Eagles. Of course, as you guys know, if you've been listening to this show for any portion of time, I'm a huge Eagles fan, huge, huge Eagles fan. And I remember when Carson Wentz was actually good when he came up with the Eagles and played so well, was a huge part of why the team reached the Super Bowl when they did and won it. Well, when it came to winning it, that was Nick Foles. So thank you Foles. But Wentz had a huge part in that season before getting injured. But ever since that ACL injury, he was never the same, never recovered fully and just continued having issues after that. Never really played well, could never really stick with a team all that well. And you can see just how much his performance has declined since the days that he was on the Eagles and playing well. But that is the end of this episode, you guys. A lot going on right now. Uh, you know, of course, we had they we had probably the most 
content or spread out content that we've ever had on this show uh, between MLB, NBA, and NFL all sneaking their way into this show, but it's been fun, you guys. We'll be back here tomorrow morning with another episode of Idiots in the News, and again on Friday with a news episode to round out your work week. But until then, you guys, if you have any sports predictions that you want us to read out on the show, or you just want us to hear because you think we'd be interested, send them to the Twitter account, whether it's through BBP News or you can send them to me uh, directly. Both links will be in the show notes as always, along with all the other links that we have there. So again, if you have any sports predictions, feel free to send them our way. But until then, you guys have a great, great continuation of your week.